This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez. You can follow me over on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y. And I will be once again joined by Bears Wire superstar contributor Alyssa Barbieri tonight, who has been on the ground in Bourbon A with a first-person look, a bird's-eye view at all the happenings at Chicago Bears training camp. So I can't wait to get into the nuts and bolts of what's been going on over the last few days with her. She's going to join us in a minute. I just want to make a quick little uh, shout-out to Harry's Razors for sponsoring today's episode. So thanks to those guys. Make sure you check that out. We'll we'll talk about more about them a little bit later in the show. And while we're making some shameless plugs here Head on over to bearswire.com, which is where I have the privilege of ser- serving as the site's managing editor. We have you covered with all the news and notes surrounding the Bears training camp and anything else that's coming out in the Chicago Bears universe. We have it covered over there on bearswire.com. And uh, head over to wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you subscribe to this show, rate it, review it, throw us that five-star rating. Tell a friend, tell two friends about the show. That's how we can grow this organically from the ground up and become your ulti- ultimately your favorite Chicago Bears podcast in this wide, expansive, ever-expanding podcast universe. Without further ado, Alyssa, welcome back to Chicago Shuffle. How is Bourbon A treating you? Bourbon A is treating you very well. I always love coming up here and the the vibe here it's you know this town these fans are ready for some football so that's where I want to kind of kick this off because one of the things that we've been seeing over the first couple of days of Bears training camp is the vibe the fans the attendance the crowd that training camp has been drawing for the Chicago Bears and obviously when there's a winner in town and the expectations for winning are almost essentially at an all-time high that's going to spark fan interest that's going to generate buzz but to see this almost 9,000, 10,000 fans attending training camp practice is pretty incredible. What has it been like for you actually being there, seeing this first person, the fans? What's the whole vibe like in the crowd? It, it's been really crazy. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that this team hadn't, hadn't won a playoff game last year the way that these fans are excited. And seeing the numbers, like I think it was like 8,300 and 8,800. I felt like there were a lot more people there. Like it didn't, it felt like it. Because like even like I think like half hour into practice, there are still people rolling in, like parked like lined up outside. The lines are going around the buildings. It was absolutely crazy. So, not that you've been looking at this specifically, but it, it, have you been able to survey the crowd? Who's who's the go to jersey this year? What are what are Bears fans repping in attendance? Is it Trubisky? Is it Mac? Little Tariq Cohen action? Who who's the jersey that you see standing out the most in the crowd? Something that I'm really actually reassured about is normally like when you go to camp, like in years past, you'd see a lot of the classics, you see a lot of Walter Payton or Lacker and all that. But there are a lot more 
modern jerseys. And there's, I think Mac is overwhelmingly the one most represented. Trubisky is not far behind. And I've also seen like a combination like Roquan Smith uh, and a lot of Tariq Cohen as well. Interesting. I, and I think, you know, Khalil Mack, I mean, you really can't go wrong. That, that Buying a jersey is often a really bad investment because players, the way the NFL is, I mean, it stands for not for long. And that goes not just for players' careers in general, but for players' stays with a specific team. I mean, it doesn't usually last more than just a couple of seasons if you're lucky. A guy like Khalil Mack hopefully is a player that will play the rest of his football in Chicago. So that number 52 seems like a good investment. It's not surprising to me that he would be the popular choice. But we're going to go back to the quarterback here, Mitch Trubisky, because ultimately he is going to be the beginning, middle, and end of any success the Chicago Bears have in 2019. And the vibe we heard from Matt Nagy in the offseason program was that Trubisky had essentially gone from learning the offense to now teaching it to guys who are new to the program. Have you seen Trubisky's performance look that way in the sense that he's more natural, more instinctive? Does he look like he's getting sharper with his passes? What have you seen over the last few days there at practice? So obviously when you're going up against arguably the league's best defense, you're going to have some rough days. So Trubisky, like the last couple of days has looked a little rough, but looking at him, he looks like from last year, I was there as well. Like it's a, it looks, he looks light years ahead of where he was last year. And you can see it in how he's breaking the huddle, how he's making sure everyone's in the right spot. Um, yesterday there was a play where Tariq Cohen went offside and he, you know, he took the time to go ahead and correct him. And, you know, Tariq mentioned that he, he really appreciated that. He, he feels like he's in command of this offense, not, doesn't look, I wouldn't say he didn't, not confused, but as he was last year, he, he just looks very much in command, very comfortable with what he's doing. And I think that's very reassuring. It definitely is reassuring, and that's a big part of what we talked about last week, how once a quarterback goes from thinking about the play to just inherently being able to act instinctively, that's usually when you see the the player reach his maximum upside. So if Trubisky is obviously entering that territory of he knows the offense as well as the coach calling the play, he knows what you know his, his reads should be depending on the defense that that's facing him on a specific down and distance or whatever, what have you. That's, that's obviously, you know, reason for optimism. There is, uh, there are the other, there is the other side of the argument and you see the trolls on Twitter, specifically the Packers contingent that wants to continue to harp on any negative play or bad throw that might circulate its way through the Twitterverse, a video, whatnot that leaks out into social media. There are still some moments where you do see Trubisky missing some throws, some overthrows, some underthrows, especially on the deep ball. Uh, you saw him, uh, you know, make a, a throw to that was intended for Anthony Miller, that was intercepted by Eddie Jackson. Uh, you just you just still see some of that stuff that was there last year. That hopefully after the first week or two, or even into the preseason, he'll be able to clean up. He talked about uh, the timing with receivers and just continuing to work and develop that relationship. You know, again, he's only in his second training camp with most of these receivers. And, you know, it's still, it's still a relationship that's, you know, evolving and developing and blossoming and, and requires patience before, uh, you know, any reason to be concerned, but it starts with confidence, right? Every, and no matter what industry you're in, whether you're a professional athlete or you're a teacher in a classroom or you're an attorney in a courtroom, if you're not confident in what you're doing, you're not going to bring your best performance. So if Trubisky is bringing that confidence to the field, that's obviously uh, something that is extremely, extremely good to know for Bears fans. And 
Uh, on the other side of the coin, when you talk about confidence, the one thing Bears fans do not have confidence in is this kicker situation in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, between Elliot Fry and and Eddie Pinheiro, we are looking for a guy who's going to separate himself uh, over the next couple of weeks and become the player who can reliably split the uprights when the game matters most. And it's been pretty odd, I guess is the right word, that they've been doing so well early in camp. You would have expected one of these guys who have no NFL game experience to struggle just based on the just the, the natural pressure that comes along with trying to win an NFL job. What have you seen from these two guys in terms of each of their their, their swagger on the field, their um, their consistency with their kicks? Is there anything that stands out with one guy versus the other? Or just what are your over, your overall impressions on the kicker competition so far? Honestly, I'd say it's more encouraging than I thought it would be going into this. Um, I would say that they're they're even at this point, even their numbers. Uh, Fry is 17 of 20 and Pinheiro is uh, 15 of 18. So they both missed three kicks. And honestly, that first public practice, I was waiting for like the first miss and I was waiting for like the crowd reaction. And Fry, that was Fry's first day because they are now alternating kickers. Fry will go one day, Pinheiro will go the next. So when Fry missed his first one, I think it was like a 39 yarder, there were some boos. And then he went and he made like nine straight and like the crowd was eating it up. It was very odd to hear Paris fans cheering a kicker. It hasn't been like that since Robbie Gold. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably the 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 built up emotion and ho- that like you, you know when there is that hope and almost prayer that the player like in this situation a kicker is going to actually be competent. We talked about this with the quarterbacks last week, where you know when you put your you you put your hope and your prayer on a player being that franchise guy, you almost force somebody into being better than they are, like. Jay Cutler being a franchise quarterback. He wasn't. Bears fans wanted one so badly for decades that he they forced him into that narrative. With the kicker situation, it's kind of like the same thing. It feels like the same thing. Everybody wants one of these guys to become Robbie Gold. So when I can see what you're saying, where the, the cheers are almost, it's almost bizarre that Bears fans are getting so excited that a guy is making a field goal in practice, which guess what? NFL kickers are supposed to do that like with ease. That's It should be shocking when they miss not shocking when they make it. Um, but the fact that they are getting so excited and overwhelmed with joy is because Alyssa, what's the last impression we have of a Chicago bears kicker that ended the season for us, the double doink, right? So this is almost like psychotherapy for the bears fan actually seeing a kick go through the uprights. So in a way you can almost understand it, but in your, in your opinion, have you been able to form your own judgment call of a guy that you're kind of like rooting for now that you've seen them up close? I don't know because, like I was saying, they're they're like dead even, like their numbers even. Even the fact that the first their first practices they each missed one, and their second practice they each missed two. But I don't know that I I think I stand by what I said last week, and I think that the kicker is going to be on the roster, and I feel more confident in saying that. Um, especially looking at you know options out there, it could be, you know like veterans that are cut from old teams. I feel like these guys are you know starting to starting to gel. But if I had to lean towards one at this point, I'd say Elliot Fry, just because what he was able to do on Monday in those wet and windy conditions, especially knowing where he's going to be kicking in a city like Chicago, where you're going to come across those conditions you know, fairly often, especially that wind. And he was able, one of his misses, he slipped on the turf. Um, 
obviously like the practice field isn't the best out there. Um, and a 51 yarder. And then he went back and he, he kicked it again and he drilled it. Um, so I, I felt really encouraged seeing him kick in those conditions. Whereas Pinero, from what I've seen, it's been, you know, sunny, you know, not a lot of wind. So I actually want to see what he looks like. Not that I'm hoping it rains on Thursday or Friday, whenever he's kicking next, but I want to see him tested in those elements as well. And that that's a good point because he really hasn't been tested in those elements ever because his college career at the University of Florida wasn't exactly a challenging weather situation. So for the most part, at least. So yeah, I mean, that, that is a, that, that is a, a noteworthy nugget to draw from this is that Fry established that in sloppy conditions, at least on one day, in one practice, in one training camp, he was able to hit more than he didn't. Would you say nine out of 10 or whatever it was? Uh, maybe we'll get that look at Pinheiro before training camp ends. And even if we don't, during the preseason, we might get a, a you know, a, a, a monsoon in one of these late summer games. So you never know what kind of weather challenges could present itself when Pinheiro has an opportunity to kick. But I think that's a really, really good point, Alyssa, that you raised because these decisions that are being made by, by Ryan Pace and the rest of the scouting department and the head coach and the special teams coach, it could come down to simply a that day. If these guys are so neck and neck and they're neck and neck in the preseason as well, they might just be they the only thing that might separate these guys is a general manager in a room saying, look, we at least know that Fry can kick in sloppy conditions. Like, even if that just splits the tie by a a one tenth of a percentage point, like the only thing that we can draw from this training camp is that one day that he kicked in a different situation and he did well. Um, the only thing I think that was working for in Pinero's favor is the power he has in his kicks, his live leg. I mean, everything you read and hear about the guy is that he's got just a, 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 a cannon of a leg. So that matters too, because if you are in a situation where um, a game suddenly is unwinnable from a 63-yard field goal to winnable if it's a 63-yard field goal. That might be the difference between Fry and Pinheiro as well, although Fry has demonstrated the ability to at least kick some pretty deep uh, deep attempts in, in training camp as well. So this is going to be really, really, really interesting to monitor. I didn't think I would be so interested in the kicker competition. The last episode, you guys can go check it out where Alyssa and I were previewing training camp. I actually was like angry at this whole thing and I didn't want to talk about it because it just made me so angry to think that the Chicago Bears best storyline in training camp is the kicker. Um, Not angry because I wish we had other storylines, but just angry because this is taking away from what could be such a really fun summer. But you know what? Now that I look at it and and we're about a week into training camp, I say to myself like, this is the sign of a really good team when you almost have nothing else to talk about but the kicker competition. You know, Mitch Trubisky, he's going to go through his growing pains as a third-year quarterback. The offense, the defense, we're going to talk a little more about the defense in a minute. I mean, 95% of the starting jobs are solidified. We pretty much know 90% of the 53-man roster. So this team is just prepping itself for a, a Super Bowl run, a deep playoff run. That, that's all this. That's all this summer is for. And if the only bo- the only position battle we have that brings a little dramatic conversation to the table is kicker, I guess we got to take it, right? We got to take it where we get it from. 
But before we get into that, I want to make an announcement about one of our sponsors I mentioned earlier. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash Blue Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, shave gel travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with cheap razors, guys and gals. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. And if we're talking about good deals, Alyssa, we got to go back to this Khalil Mack trade, right? I mean, what we're seeing here in training camp in the early, in the, this early portion of training camp, the first training camp with Khalil Mack in Chicago, the first time we're seeing him work in pads on a practice field. I mean, you tell the listeners, what does this dude look like? He looks, he looks incredible. Um, you know, speaking of player, like, I mean, having a player like Khalil Mack in camp for the first time, he's out there, he's making it look easy. Like he is unblockable out there. It's kind of like, I feel like this entire defense as a whole is ready to play right now. I feel like they're winning against the offense in this, in during training camp. And I feel like the concern coming into training camp was, you know, how are they going to be in Chuck Pagano's defense? And Akeem Hicks was mentioning how coming into camp, they were like a C, right? They, they are average, but you really wouldn't be able to tell that looking at how they're getting after the offense. Um, I feel like, you know, you kind of like someone like Khalil Mack, it's like, he's, he's rearing to go. Like you have to kind of tell, it's like, they're like, you know, you know, slow down. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. You're, saying? you're playing your own team, but he really does look incredible. You know, who's going to be the biggest beneficiary of all that is Bobby Massey. Bobby Massey working against Khalil Mack. This is the best pass rusher he's going to see all season. And he's getting to improve himself in his game. Every single practice, Charles Leno Jr. as well. These guys are not going to face another pass rusher like Khalil Mack at all over the next 16 weeks of the regular season and even into the playoffs. So the fact that they are getting used to playing against an elite Hall of Fame level pass rusher, it's going to make the rest of the guys they face all season feel like inferior almost like they've gone back to college and they're playing a downgrade of an opponent. And that's something that really hasn't been talked about too much in the mainstream Bears media is how much better our offensive tackle play should be in 2019 as a result of the reps that they're getting against Khalil Mack every single day. Charles Leno's already a serviceable left tackle, one of the more reliable pass-protecting tackles in the game. Bobby Massey's had his ups and downs, isn't necessarily that, that kind of athlete that you need at the tackle position even right tackle these days but he's he's serviceable the bears paid him because it's hard to find a competent starting tackle in the league he deserved his payday but now he should he should have a career year he i think he's going to have a year that surpasses even his contract numbers because he's getting the ultimate i mean you, training camp is all about working on your game 
you know, sharpening up the system, making sure everybody's on the same page and prepping you for that regular season action. You cannot, as an offensive tackle, ask for better prep to stay, to play, in, you know, in regular season games, especially in week one against the Packers, who, yeah, they have some decent pass rushers, but none of them measure up to Cleo Mack. You're going into week one against the Green Bay Packers relieved that you don't have to face Cleo Mack in that live action type setting. It's a relief to play another team. That is a huge advantage that the Chicago Bears have. And another thing that Ryan Pace said was an advantage that the Bears have in the early part of the season while we're sitting here talking about the defense is that Chuck Pagano is something of a mystery man, right, to the rest of the league. The Bears defense is known for the personality that was brought in by uh, Vic Fangio. And Fangio is one of the most respected defensive minds in the game. It obviously paid off with him getting a head coaching gig in Denver. But here we have Chuck Pagano, who's got his own style. He's now playing or coaching arguably the most talented group of 11 starters that he's ever been able to work with in his career. He already has a reputation of being a very respected coach, both on the defensive side of the ball and as a head coach in general. Have you seen anything that you think is indicative of what Pagano's style will be in 2019? I mean, like watching what the defense is being able to do, I've seen the blitzes that obviously when, you know, Vic Fangio wasn't someone that blitzed a whole, a whole lot. And with Pagano coming in, you know, there's talk about him being more aggressive in his, in his approach and seeing those blitzes. And I, he's definitely been bringing that in practice. And what about Leonard Floyd? Has he done anything that you, that you think is worth mentioning or is he just, you know, Leonard Floyd? At this point, I would say he's just Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack. See, see, I don't, I, 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 and I'm, I'm here and I, you I just well, I'm I want to will this to happen. I really hope that we have a dynamic duo. And I just I don't see, you know, unfortunately I'm not out in Bourbonnais. Um, you know, I've been messaging with you and other people who are out there who have been giving me updates as as often as possible. All your great work over on bearswire.com. Guys, make sure you're checking it out. Make sure you're following Alyssa on Twitter. She's putting great stuff out live from training camp. Um I don't see anything about Leonard Floyd. I mean, it's like a running theme here in training camp. I don't see or read or hear or see clips on Twitter. Nobody's talking about Leonard Floyd. Now, sometimes no news is good news, right? He's not getting hurt. He's not getting beat. He's not getting dominated. But at the same time, I mean, is there any flash plays that you could say, wow, Leonard Floyd made a name for himself on that one rep over the last four days? I'm not really – I can't really think of any flash plays, but they're – I'm waiting for Leonard Floyd to do something. And like you said, you know, no news is good news. You know, like the injury. P.S. P.S. Alyssa, we've been waiting for Leonard Floyd to do something for how many years now? Oh gosh, too long. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I don't know if the, I look, I don't want to go down this path, right? It's all optimism. It's all rainbows and butterflies and pre- training camp and preseason. So it's only rainbows and butterflies with Leonard Floyd, but uh, let's hope that he can do something. I mean, have you noticed defense being way ahead of the offense over the first few days? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're way ahead there. They look like watching, looking at this defense, obviously they were one of the best. I think overall they ranked third overall last year as a defense and looking at them now and what they're doing, just like in practice and listening to, you know, what they're saying in terms of the expectations, they're not getting too full of themselves. They're letting their place speak for itself and watching them just out there in training camp, just in practice you get this feeling that this unit could be even better than it was last season. And the three players that really stuck out to me this week have been obviously Mac, um, Akeem Hicks, and Roquan Smith, who is 
like Mac finally in his first training camp, and he is just lighting it up out there. He's going to be really exciting to watch this year. You know, I put that out on Twitter a couple of days ago, how, you know, the fact that Roquan Smith had as effective of a rookie season as he had in 2018 without an NFL training camp under his belt, without any preseason snaps under his belt as a first-year rookie, and he still had a season that was fantastic. And now he has a full training camp, a full preseason where he can actually kind of get lathered up and get ready to play. I don't know if we even saw 50% of the potential that Roquan Smith is going to bring to this defense. And he's got a lot of that Mike Singletary vibe to me. And uh, that's going way back here for Bears fans that may have never seen Mike Singletary play. But he's got a lot of that vibe to me. Just, just I just think he's going to be one of these decade-long guys in Chicago that eventually is going to take that mantle as the guy in the city as uh, that the that the defense, the personality, and 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 uh, the the that character, that bigger than life character on the defense. Once Khalil Mack is ready to pass that torch, of course. Um, Flipping back to the offensive side of the ball, you know, wide receiver has been talked about at length in terms of the talent and depth that the Bears have heading into this preseason with as many as eight, maybe even nine guys jockeying for six, maybe seven spots. And it's really difficult to separate that six, seven, eight from, uh, you know, either making the roster, getting cut, maybe practice squad. Uh, Allen Robinson, obviously, we know his story, the big money free agent he had by statistics. Uh, if you're looking at it only as from a statistics or fantasy standpoint, he didn't have the greatest year last year, but he obviously came on uh, as the season progressed. He looks and seems like a different player in training camp. Have you noticed that? Is he is he is he impressing and playing like a guy that is making, you know, was signed to a forty two million dollar contract? Oh, absolutely. I feel like watching what Allen Robinson is doing out there, there's no doubt about it that he is the clear-cut number one receiver. I feel like every time you look his way, he's making plays. He's going up, he's getting those contested catches, He's whether it's in those one-on-one battles or he's burning Kyle Fuller. It's, he's, he's really impressive and he really appears primed for that breakout season. He honestly, I don't think in those first, I think it was three days until Monday, right? Saturday, Sunday, first two days. I don't think he dropped a ball once. Every ball that was thrown his way, he caught it. Obviously, Monday, you know, it was a little rough for the ompets all around, and he had a couple drops, but he's really just going out there making plays and proving that he's the one that he's, you got to be aware of him this year. You got to be, I think teams are going to really see what he's about. And it's an important year for him, too, contractually, because he's setting himself up to go into 2020 in, a, in another contract year. So, uh, and he's still a young guy. I think he's what, 24, 25. So he's got a lot of income earning years left on his, uh, on his career. And if he, uh, has that kind of, of return to dominance season, like we saw in 2015, I believe it was when he had 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns, if he gets back to that level, you know, you see the, the paydays these receivers are getting, it's approaching $20 million a year. He knows what he's playing for. And you take a, a guy who's healthy and a guy who's setting himself up for maybe another contract extension, especially if he builds that chemistry with Mitch Trubisky and becomes Trubisky's, you know, most reliable go-to guy. You could be looking at him entering 2020 with a new contract on the table to, to stay here for another, maybe a four or five year deal at that point. So he's got a lot to play for. And on the other end of it, you know, we, we know he's the number one guy. 
one of the guys battling for that sixth or seventh spot is last year's late round pick Javon Wims, who again, by all accounts seems to be having a, a really good preseason. And I think you said on Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong, that Javon Wims is not on the roster bubble that he's making this team. What, what led you to that assessment through the first few days that you've been there? I think his performance speaks for itself, kind of like Robinson. I feel like every time I'm like watching him, he's making plays. Uh, but not only just because he's performing, but also because of how many looks he's getting. And he all the time he's getting with the ones. And the way listening to Matt Nagy and Brian Pace talk about him, I feel like especially there are some receivers that like Riley Ridley and Emmanuel Hall who are, you know, dealing with injuries that he's getting even more time to showcase what he can do. And like Allen Robinson, I really think he can be a threat. Like he can be used in many different ways. And, you know, the Javon Wim, if this is where injuries to one player create opportunities for another. And who knows what Wims' rep total would be in practices if Riley Ridley was healthy. Because let's face it, Riley Ridley represents a higher draft investment, a fourth round pick versus I believe Wims was a seventh rounder. Um, yes, Wims made some impressive plays last preseason, but this league is a what have you done for me lately league. And if Riley, Riley Ridley got off to this hot start, Javon Wims would be, you know, buried deeper on a depth chart. So that's why these guys in the, in the NFL, a lot of times they'll hide injuries, they'll play through injuries, they'll try to um, just will themselves to stay on the field because if you open that door or an opportunity for a player as talented as a guy like Javon Wims to get more playing time, he might keep it and, and not give it away. And you look at Javon Wims from a physical makeup, you know, his size, better than advertised speed, good hands, good guy in contested situations, the plays he was able to make last preseason. I mean, that wasn't a fluke. This is a player who has the ability to start in the NFL, in my opinion. And I, I agree with you 100%. He's not on the roster bubble. And I, and I know there has been some analysts out there that talk about Javon Wims as fighting for a roster spot. I, I don't see that. I, I don't see any way Javon Wims is in threat of, of not being on the 53-man roster come, uh, come opening day. Uh, we can't end this conversation about the offense without – circling back to running back the guy that everybody wants to know about is david montgomery they finally put the pads on which is what everybody was waiting for with this kid has he lived up to the billing so far david montgomery sorry david montgomery is really good at football watching everything he's been able to do he's everything as advertised not to say that he hasn't had those welcome to the nfl rookie moments including uh when he went up uh, against roquan smith and run blocking drills but, Which, by the way, let me just jump in real quick. Think about the learning lesson for a guy like David Montgomery, just like we talked about with Bobby Massey going up against Cleo Mack. He is learning how to pass protect by blocking a lightning quick inside linebacker who has the athletic ability that is going to be hard to match throughout the league. So Montgomery is getting used to trying to stop a guy like him, a guy like Danny Trevathan, maybe helping chip off the edge against elite NFL defenders who are going to be better than 90% of the guys he faces this year. It's only going to help him, even if it's a moment of, whoops, I whiffed on that one. Well, whiffing on Roquan Smith is going to be a common theme for a lot of running backs this year, not just David Montgomery, but I digress. Go ahead. Absolutely. And then obviously like his vision and the cuts that he's able to make when he's running and, and also his versatility as a receiver in this offense, you can see, how it's opening up this offense in a way when where with Jordan Howard that really, you know, it wasn't a big part of that. But 
is Montgomery's definitely been one of my favorites to watch, but I think the running back group as a whole has been very solid, especially that, that three headed monster, you know, tree cone keeps doing tree cone things. He's shifty and he's fast as hell. He's definitely a nice security blanket for Jabisky. I've noticed. Um, and then, what about Mike? What about Mike Davis? Yeah, Mike Davis. I mean, I feel like he doesn't get talked enough about he's, he's out there making plays. He's showing that he can be that flashy threat. He's very quick. He's making the, you know, similar moves to them. Um, I think that he can be just as big of a playmaker as both Montgomery and Cohen. And, you know, he proved, when he was at South Carolina, I, I loved him as a draft prospect coming out. He was the guy that took over for uh, Lattimore. I think that was it. South Carolina, the, the stud running back who suffered the really devastating knee injury. The next year, it was, it was uh, Mike Davis who ended up being the lead back in South Carolina. He was actually the young guy in the pipeline when Lattimore was doing his thing. And you just saw in college that this guy, he looked like a stud. And then he gets in the NFL, and it's about situation. I mean, a lot of the career trajectories for these players, it's, it's not even about one guy necessarily being better than the other. Because in the NFL, you know, all these guys are fantastic football players. It's just some of them fall into the perfect situation while others fall into the worst possible scenario to have growth in their career. And I do believe Mike Davis kind of was a victim of that starting in San Francisco. Then he goes to Seattle, gets cut a couple times by Seattle's on Seattle's practice squad. And then he becomes one of their best running backs when he finally gets a chance to touch the ball. And I don't know if he's going to have that opportunity in Chicago to finally be a bell cow guy because David Montgomery is obviously the player that is here to, to, to do that. But if something happens to Montgomery, I'm, I'm Mike Davis is a 1200 yard back in this league. If he gets a chance. Um, so the bears really did themselves a solid by, by acquiring this much depth and talent and similar talent between Montgomery and Mike Davis. They might not look the same while they're running the ball, but they allow the offense to do the same things. They're both good receivers. They're both good runners between the tackles. So even though they might look a little different, they both have the same skill set, which gives a guy like Matt Nagy comfort that he doesn't have to change his game plan like he would have had to do when Jordan Howard was in the game last season. So, Alyssa, before we kind of wrap this up, put a ribbon on it, is there any hot take or anything from training camp that you have seen so far that you think has not been discussed yet, either today or by other analysts around uh, the Bears universe, or is is the narrative being t- being pretty fairly relayed so far on social media for the for the fans who haven't been fortunate enough to be in attendance. I feel like the narrative has been pretty fair. There was one thing that I wanted to add about the running backs um, that I got to see Monday. Uh, Cordero Patterson got some looks at running back, and it's going to be really fun to see how Nagy can utilize him everywhere on the field. Like it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Uh, he's another guy, right? He's another X factor that is such a supremely talented offensive weapon, it just added to the toolbox for Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. It's just going to be a, a really, really fun and and honestly entertaining uh, offense to watch this season. It's all going to come back to where we started here at Mitch Trubisky. And when we come back next week with our next episode of Chicago Shuffle, we'll evaluate where Trubisky's at. We'll be on the cusp of preseason action. I don't think we'll see much of him in the preseason, but we'll start talking about the storylines that you guys should be watching in the preseason games. We'll start breaking down the position battles, how this 53-man roster might be shaking up, uh, sh- you know, shaking out if there's anybody that's rising, anybody that's falling, any injuries that are playing a part in that. We'll have all that covered here on Chicago Shuffle as the rest of training camp 
and the preseason rolls on. Remember, anywhere you get your podcasts from, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell a friend, tell a fellow Bears fan, even tell a Packers fan to, subscri- to, to subscribe to the show so we can, you know, we can take some digs at them and they can enjoy it on their drive to work, they make it more miserable. What's that? I think they can also learn a lot from it. I love that, Alyssa. You're absolutely right. You know what? There's a lot. I mean, I have seen so much trolling from Packers fans and even Packers writers lately on Twitter. That's it's shocking. It's like it's like this complex, right? It's almost like that Napoleon complex where they're trying to overcompensate for the fact that they know their team is not as good as the Chicago Bears. So they have to go on Twitter and take every opportunity possible. Like there was some dude who wrote it was it was incredible to me when it was, I believe, Eddie Jackson in coverage on Javon Wims. And Javon Wims ran a nice route. Eddie Jackson slipped a little bit. He kind of pulled up lame, and Javon Wims made a play. And some Packers fan writes, I don't know what kind of coverage HaHa Clinton Dix was in on this play. HaHa Clinton Dix at that time was on the PUP list. He wasn't even on the field. And a Packers fan was trying miserably to take a shot at the fact that the Bears Hey, guess what? The Bears might have the better safety between HaHa Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos, but that's for another day. Alyssa, thank you once again. Make sure you head on over to Alyssa's Twitter account, at Alyssa Barbieri. Make sure you follow her. Check out all her work over at BearsWire.com. Keep clicking BearsWire.com. We appreciate it. And come on back for the next episode of Chicago Shuffle.